This film is Lit, the podcast where we finally settle the score on one simple question. Is the book really better than the movie? I'm Brian. I have a film degree, so I watch the movie, but don't read the book. And I'm Katie. I have an English degree, so I do things the right way and read the book before we watch the movie. Look, some of us are lazy, all right? If by lazy you mean wrong. Prepare to be wowed by our expertise and charm as we dissect all of your favorite film adaptations and decide whether the silver screen or the written word did it better. So turn it up, settle in, and get ready for spoilers. Because guess what? This film is lit. Happy Valentine's Day, it's Gone Girl, and this film is lit. Hello and welcome back to the 14th episode of This Film is Lit. On today's very special Valentine's Day episode, we're talking about the 2012 book, turned into the 2014 film Gone Girl. If you missed our prequel episode, we discussed some fun facts. You can go back and check that out before you listen. If not, we're going to jump right into it. Katie, it's Gone Girl. It's your first time watching it. <laughs> What'd you think? I liked it. Yeah? Yeah. It was, it was a good adaptation, I thought. Wow. Spoilers. <laughs> yes. It is a, it's a fairly... It seemed like I thought I figured it would be, as we discussed in the prequel episode, Gillian, Gillian Flynn adapted it, mm-hmm. so she adapted her own novel. So, you know, it, chances are it would be a pretty good adaptation. But, yeah, it's a pretty good movie. It's a long movie, but it's a good film. Yeah. It's like two and a half hours, over two and a half It was long. Um, it and it was funny because you were like, this is moving at a breakneck speed in the beginning, and I was like, <laughs> well, it's a three hour long movie, so I don't know how else it could be moving any... I know, at the beginning, I was like, what else are they going to do for the next two and a half hours? Because it was moving so fast. The whole story. <laughs> I don't know. We'll get into it, though. But, uh, yeah, we're going to start where we always do, with guess who? Who are you? No one of consequence. I must get used to disappointment. Okay. Okay, we have a lot this week. Oh, boy. Um, There were... A lot of there was a lot of character description mm-hmm. in this novel. Um, I actually cut a lot of the stuff that I made notes on um, because the characters weren't in it or they didn't have as big of a role. Right. Blah blah blah. Um, so we have six to go through. Oh now. boy! Okay, yeah. let's do it. Let's okay. let's chop shop because <laughs> we got a lot else to talk about. Distractingly gorgeous, the kind of looks that make your eyes pinwheel, that make you want to just address the elephant. You know you're gorgeous, right? And move on with the conversation. I bet dudes hate him. He looks like the rich boy villain in an 80s teen movie, the one who bullies the sensitive misfit, the one who will end up with a pie in the puss, the whipped cream wilting his upturned collar as everyone in the cafeteria cheers. Oh, Jesus. Um, that could be... Uh, I'm going to go... Okay, I was, I'm going to eliminate Nick based on your 
description when we talked about last time about him looking like a handsome guy from uh, the Midwest, and not that doesn't ring that as much. So my my guess then would move on to, uh, and I don't remember his name, but Neil Patrick Harris's character Desi. Yes, Desi, because he's sort of like your hoity-toity, mm-hmm. um, bully-looking. I mean, yeah, and Neil Patrick Harris is a handsome man. And my other thought would be, uh, which he doesn't fit the description necessarily, but for the, his character would be uh, the lawyer. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go with Desi. Final answer. It actually is Nick. Oh. That's Amy's diary description okay. of Nick. Um, he's supposed to be like a farm boy, handsome type. That's not how she described him at all, though. But it is, though. No, she, he's she supposed said... to, He's like, he's blonde and he has like a cleft chin. He's like beefy, kind of looks like a douche. That's to me, that's not, I don't know. That the, Her description of him wasn't what I pictured when you would said farm boy, handsome, oh, or okay. like Midwest. Like, that's not. I don't know. Ben Affleck looks can pull off either look, I think, but that mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't matter. Then. I'm glad they didn't dye his hair blonde. I don't no. think he could pull off blonde. No, he would look silly blonde. <laughs> He's probably been blonde in something at one point. That's true, yeah. Uh, All right, over one. Okay. She is slender and strange-faced, which is not to say unattractive. Her features just take a moment to make sense. The broad jaw, the pinched pretty nose, the dark globe eyes... If this were a period movie, a man would tilt back his fedora, whistle at the sight of her, and say, Now there is a hell of a broad. The face of a 30s screwball movie queen doesn't always translate into our pixie princess times. Amy? Is that your final answer? Yeah. It's go. Oh. That's Nick describing his twin sister. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Like Amy also makes well, whatever. This is impossible. <laughs> the woman was surprisingly ugly, brazenly beyond the scope of everyday ugly. Tiny round eyes set tight as buttons. A long twist of a nose. Skin spackled with tiny bumps. Long lank hair the color of a dust bunny. I don't. I have no idea. Um, my my only guess is because I know that, and they kind of do it a little. The only because I know that there is a character is what's her name from uh, the Ozarks, um, and she, but in the movie she's not ugly, but I could see. It's the only person I can think of where that description kind of makes sense. It's not Amy. It's not <clears throat> the neighbor. It's not the detective. I wouldn't think. I mean, maybe the detective. Um, the only other person I could think would be if the Nancy Grace character is in the book. Uh, I'm going to go with the Ozarks girl. Final answer. I don't I don't know. No, it's Detective Boney. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, they make everybody pretty for them. I know, I know, right? I know. But I just, I was trying to see anything that, because to me with the, the the lady in the Ozarks, I could at least see like, like sort of like trailer trash ugly was mm-hmm. kind of like what they were going for. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. Uh, oh for three. Okay. 
Wide-set blue eyes under chocolatey waves of hair, cushiony lips parted just a bit, ridiculously large, real breasts, and long, thin legs and arms. An alien fuckdoll of a girl. I, I'm good. I, if I get this one wrong, I'll be very disappointed. I'm going to say this is Nick's girlfriend. Yeah, it's Andy. Okay. Andy, that's her, right. That's her name. You got one. Yay! That one was very easy. <laughs> That was, yeah, super easy. Especially because I imagine that's Amy describing. That's Nick. Nick? I could see that too, to be yeah. fair. So, okay. No, I read that and I was like, gross. Yeah. <laughs> that's gross, Nick. Yep. Oh, okay. He looked the way I had always wanted to look. Like a very handsome, very decent fellow. Something in the eyes or the jaw. He had deep-set almond eyes, teddy bear eyes and dimples in both cheeks. Well, Desi has dimples, I think, because Neil Patrick Harris has dimples. And I could see that, but I could also see the lawyer. Because <sighs> I don't think it would be anybody else, at least nobody that jumps to my mind. I guess it could be what's-his-name, but I... Um, but at least it doesn't fit the description at all. Uh, the guy from... The other boyfriend from the past. Mm. Um, I'm going to go with Desi this time. It is Desi. Yes. (laughs) Is there any more or is that it? There's one more. Okay. I can go 500. (laughs) Have a chance. She has two gold necklaces, a perfectly round bruise the size of a plum near her left breast, and a shamrock tattoo just above her bikini line. Her swimsuit is brand new, cherry red, cheap. This one I'm going to assume is Ozark's girl. Yeah, it's Greta. Yeah, Greta, is that her yeah, name? Yeah, that's her name. There you go. Boom. Came back. Helps that I was eliminating people as I went by getting it wrong. That's true. So that helped a little bit <laughs> because I knew eventually we'd probably hit those characters, so I got to second guess them. Um, all right, three for sixes isn't the worst. I think that's probably about how I'm doing overall is about 50%. <laughs> Pro- yeah. If I had to guess. One day I'll go back and add it all up. But I bet I'm about 50%. Yeah. Oh, well. It's not too bad. But there's actually, there's very little description of what Amy looks like. We know that she's pretty and we know that she's blonde. Right. But that's about it. Hmm. It's kind of interesting. Well, in that case, uh, three for six, not too bad. Let's move along to, was that in the book? Nicholas Flamel is the only known maker of the Philosopher's Stone. The what? Honestly, don't you two read? So, first one, though. <laughs> Selfie lady. That moment where Nick is at the the first after Amy disappears and he's mm-hmm. at the Drury Lodge. And uh, the lady comes up and wants a picture with them. Does that moment happen in the book? Yes. It does? Yes. Okay. I don't know. That was because this is one of the ones where it was hard where with was that in the book. I had a tough time because, one, I knew the author adapted it. Mm-hmm. So I knew most of the things probably-ish were going to be in the book. A lot of at least, you know. My guess was that she wasn't going to add, have added a lot of new things for the movie, whereas a lot of things would be removed. Yeah. Because that's what happens when you adapt a book, a 400-page book, into a, you know, three-hour <laughs> movie. Um, okay, so I thought maybe that was a little thing that felt like an easy thing for a movie to write in for a moment to kind of push along the narrative of um, him seeming untrustworthy. Or not, mm-hmm. you know, like the, the public's perception of him. So I thought there was a chance that wasn't in the book, but it is. To go down similarly? Like um, just- it, it plays out a little differently. 
Um, in the book, he doesn't ask her to delete it. Oh, really? Um, he doesn't even think of it? Hmm. Yeah, which I kind of preferred because he's supposed to be an idiot. And it's still early enough in the thing that he's not as... yeah. Um, aware of like public the public perception and right. that sort of thing. So next, and now this is one I just thought of. Uh, in the, is the chapter is their first meeting described in like when they meet each other? Is that mm-hmm. is that in the book? Yes. Okay. In that, is it whose perspective is that from? It's Amy's. Okay, so that makes sense then. That we don't get a description to me. That's why I was wondering with about the Amy description. Since it's from Amy's perspective when they mm-hmm. first meet, it makes sense that we don't get her description. Whereas if it was from Nick's, we would probably get. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what I was thinking at least. So, okay. That was just a little one. But this one. This one was interesting. It's uh, when he's at the, his sister's, he's at Margot's. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he gets the text on his burner phone. Well, we don't know it's a burner phone at that point. We just he gets a text on his phone that says, "I'm outside," mm-hmm. and we have no idea what. As an audience at this moment, we don't know what it is. And his reaction is very like the illusion we get is like, "Is this Amy like texting him? Like what? Like what mm-hmm. is go?" Because the way he reacts to it, and then like looks outside, like super freaked out. You know, we're kind of wondering like what. At least to me, that's how I read it. Um, because we knew nothing about Andy at this point. Yeah. Uh, there was no, I mean, this may be a tiny allusion to it, but not really. Um, so is that play out the same way in the book? Do they um, play it as like, whoa, maybe this is Amy. Who's this texting him? I'm outside. No, not really. Okay. Um, it, the same thing happens, sort of, but it's it's different for a couple reasons. One, because... We already know, um, or at least have sh- are strongly suspecting that it's a burner phone. Okay. Um, secondly, because in the book he doesn't do the look around right. thing. Um, her text, him getting the text message. The text message itself is the last line of that chapter, and then we have a diary entry from Amy, and then the next chapter starts with she's standing there on the porch. Um, but I guess it could give you a little bit if it ends in the last line of the chapter. That's definitely yeah. the way that's written implies a you know like a sort of a cliffhanger. Like what? Who's right. that? You know what I mean? Like I mean, I don't know. I I kind of wish that I hadn't had some spoilers when I read this book because oh, I I knew like you knew Amy. Was I knew that alive. she wasn't. Yeah, that she had like left and yeah. hadn't been kidnapped or right. murdered or anything. Um, so I never, like, I, I always just suspected that Nick was cheating. Right. Okay. So it wasn't, like, a shocker moment to me or a moment of any kind of mystery. Yeah. I was like, oh, we're going to meet Nick's girlfriend gotcha. now. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I guess I also, that might have been the only thing I had spoiled was that I knew. Sh- I guess I knew that I didn't really know what happened or why. I just knew she wasn't dead. Obviously, mm-hmm. like I knew that wasn't how that story ended. So, but, um, so I wasn't expecting that though. Like I wasn't, cause at that point in the movie, the way it had played up, I wasn't, I don't think they had really alluded to that idea very much. They hadn't, yeah. unless I could, unless I'm mistaking and misremembering, but I really don't remember them really giving any sort of hints 
other than that their their relationship's not great mm-hmm. at this point but or but like I had never I don't know it wasn't alluded to to me that they had been cheating and then because the moments where that stuff happened like where they set that up or where they show even more of the fallout prior to her leaving comes after that moment in the film mm-hmm. I'm fairly certain so interesting okay because I I thought that was interesting could be an interesting change where they they play it up as like it is like to me I thought it was very like suspicious like what who's outside what is going on yeah um so it's similar but a little there's a little more hints to the idea that maybe he's having an affair all right last one for was that in the book just the line this is the line we both laughed thoroughly at yeah <laughs> uh and that's when uh nick says she's one of my students uh speaking of andy and his sister says fuck nick i thought writers hated cliches <laughs> which is a great line that's a fantastic line a great line is it in the book it's not in the book okay um but as soon as i heard that line i thought i bet jillian flynn thought of that after, after yeah. she published the book and was like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. And then got the opportunity, got the opportunity to put it in, in the movie. It. That's the cool thing about when you adapt your your book into a movie, if there are little things that, because, you know, um, I can't imagine that there's a single book ever that the writer has written and then a year later went, hmm, wish I would have done this oh, different. Yeah. Like everything, yeah. for sure. And so doing the movie, you get a chance to do that or you get a chance to, you know write a line like that yeah to kind you, of even you, yeah, you get another uh chance to tinker with your own work yeah which is cool mm-hmm. interesting well great line i knew it probably wasn't in the book just based on your reaction because you would have had that <laughs> you would have known it was coming or you wouldn't have had quite the same yeah reaction when it landed if it was in the book so i was i cheated a bit but <laughs> That's all I got for was that in the book, though. But I got some more stuff to get into in Lost in Adaptation. I'm excited. All right. Sounds like it. Let's do it. It's time for Lost in Adaptation. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. Was lost. Yes. Yes. And I want to get unlost as soon as possible. So I have a couple mysteries. I'm going to go backwards, I think, on this. Because uh, one of them, I think, is uh, less discussion-worthy and just more mm-hmm. like I wasn't really sure why sort of from a storytelling standpoint or like mm-hmm. what just didn't really get it. First one, the woodshed. Amy buys all this shit. Right. On Nick's credit cards. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and, and to set up the money troubles and that sort of thing. But then she puts it all in Margot's woodshed mm-hmm. and none of it is opened. Mm-hmm. And then the cops find it. Why did she put it in the woodshed? All in the boxes None of it used, none of it, like, to me, that's so clearly suspicious, like, that, and then you would lead the cops there. She she calls the cops and says, I saw some suspicious person by Margo's woodshed. Right. You need to go check it out. So then they find all that shit. Unless there's something I'm missing, to me, I was like, so, okay, they had, they knew about all this credit card trouble before, or the Mm -hmm. money troubles the fact now that they just found all this shit randomly sitting in a shed completely unopened is actually less suspicious to of Nick, like is less incriminating of Nick to me. Okay. I don't so know. I, 
There's a couple little details that got left out in the movie. So I don't know if you caught or not. The reason they're in the woodshed is because of the fifth anniversary gift. Right. I mean, I knew the allusion to the wood, the punishment, the woodshed, taking somebody out to the woodshed for punishment. Like, I got why the woodshed in terms of the clue. Okay. So um, another detail that got left out is that she puts Nick's fingerprints on all the stuff. Oh, okay. Like, while he's asleep, she, like, presses his hands on it. Weird. So it looks like he put it all there. Okay, well, that's at least one. And maybe there is a line passing into that to say, and Mm -hmm. your fingerprints are all over this stuff, and I just just missed it, or, you know, it wasn't, you know. So maybe that is alluded to or something, but... Um, So also um, something that got changed a little bit was that the woodshed is a little farther away from goes house in the book okay. um and they don't use it so they wouldn't think to check out there um and i what amy's trying to do with the woodshed stuff is um try she's trying to set up that nick was like stashing this stuff away so he could have like a really cool um, man cave type life. Like after at, she's yeah, gone. Like after she's gone. Right. Yeah. Um, and what it also does is implicates go, go as a possible yeah. accomplice. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Right. yeah. Amy Dunn leaves no stone unturned. No, that's true. She wasn't a big fan of go either. So, um, yeah, I, that makes sense, I guess. I just, yeah. I, yeah. Like I said, I was just like, to me, it just seemed... So the fingerprint thing helps, and and, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't really consider the idea of like, well, you know, he's waiting, and then after she's gone, he's mm-hmm. going to play with all his cool toys. Right, like and it also, and then that makes him look like a liar again, too, because right. he tells the cops, um, I this is identity I theft, I didn't buy any of this, yeah. and then lo and behold, they find they it, find and his it. fingerprints are right. on it. Um, and too, I don't think they mentioned this in the movie, but like when they initially find it in the book, he tells them to check it for fingerprints. No, does he? <laughs> and then they find fingerprints. You so. know, I don't even think the fingerprint line is in the movie because if it was, it would be such a whole because they definitely don't show her doing that of yeah. putting so. And if they had said, "and your fingerprints all over it," the audience would be like, "Wait, how? <laughs> like, wait, what?" <laughs> so. I mean, I guess some of it, because at one point he goes in there, I guess there could be a scene where he, like, picks up some of it and looks at it, like, right. when he first finds it in the movie. I don't know. Anyways. I also thought it was a little dumb on his part that he just leaves it all there when he finds it, and then the cops get called, like, the next day or well, two days actually, later. Well, actually, they address that in the book, okay. too, because at that point, um, he, fig- he figures out when he finds the stuff that Amy's framing him. Yeah. Like, that's the same. Yeah. Um... But then when he finds it, he's like, I'm not going to move it because I guarantee you as soon as I try, she has a trap set. Right. Okay. Fair enough. And he's probably right. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Next one. This is a deep one. Um, Well, we'll we'll go to that one last because I think that's going to take the most discussion. (laughs) Uh, This one, and maybe this is just me. I don't even remember noticing this the first time I watched the movie. But this time, they're meat cute in this movie. I found them to be so incredibly insufferable. Mm -hmm. And it may be on purpose. But they're meat cute. The way they talk, the, the way they banter is so just 
unlikable and like I was just like you're gross like both of you are disgusting <laughs> like just that the back and forth and like yeah insufferable is really the yeah. only word I can use to describe it and like I can like repartee but theirs is like trite and awful mm-hmm. and like you can tell they just think they're so clever and it's like the it's so gross like I don't know so is that come across that way in the book did you feel that way watching the movie um yeah the movie was the movie version of it was bleh. I didn't feel that way in the book the banter is not quite like they have a little bit of banter but it's not to the insufferable level yeah, that it's it just is so in the movie much back and forth and like, yeah yeah and like the whole thing where he like covers his chin yeah that's not in the book yeah well see that was honestly the least like the least annoying part to me but like just the whole uh the, he's like looking around at other guys like trying to figure out who her boyfriend is or if she's with somebody mm-hmm. and they're like dunking on all the other dudes in the room and then like just the uh, it just the speed and the, i guess what it is it's that part of it is one and it just seemed really insufferable but two it feels very fake because nobody talks like that. Well, like know, even super clever people don't really banter like that. It's interesting that you say that because that brings up oh, one of the big shit, questions. Yeah. That makes sense of this story. We got that from her diary. We got we? that from her diary. Fucking a. Yeah. And we have no idea how much of that is real. No, a lot of it's bullshit. A lot of it's yeah. bullshit. Well, at least elements of it because for sure yeah. like the part where like he hits her or whatever pushes her and she falls over like in the movie that's very clearly alluded to that that did not yeah. happen and so, now yeah, they that's do fair. they do make mention that the early days of their relationship are more true yeah than the rest yeah. of it but you know but even still yeah yeah that, that no that totally makes sense Plus, huh, that's she's fabricating all of these diary entries right. years later. Even if you remember some stuff yeah. about it, or... Like, if I tried to write a diary entry about our first date right now, like... Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I remember some stuff, yeah. and I remember the general feeling of yeah. of it, but I couldn't, no. like, write down a word for word. No, not at all. Okay, I, that is interesting. I'd be, I'd be interested to see if... One, if that is the case, if we're getting like if we talk to fucking David Fincher or whatever, uh, one, if that is the case, and there is a commentary. So there are I know there are elements where maybe they explain stuff like that in the commentary. One, I'd be interested to know if that is what is going on, if that is uh, what we're getting is sort of Amy's recollection slash retelling of that meeting of their Mm -hmm. meet cute. And two, if so. Is the reason it's so fake feeling and insufferable because of point one? You know what I mean? Right. Like, because it could be one, and they could, like it might not be intentionally insufferable and fake feeling um, on purpose. That could just be by accident of the filmmaking yeah. and the writing. Yeah, but it could still be point one. Could still be true that we are getting the retelling and whatever, but. It could be that one, yeah, that also on top of it being, you know, sort of her recollection of it, we're seeing sort of a, a, a fake version of it, mm-hmm. um, that to allude to that to us as an audience, to make it clear to us as an audience that so they went super kind of over the top with the uh, 
I, I like to think that it's on purpose. I like to think so, too. And I wouldn't be remotely surprised to find yeah. out that that was the case. I mean, like I said, David Fincher's great, uh, great filmmaker and, and Gillian Flynn. Gillian Flynn. Do we ever decide? I don't him? know. Um, you, she, you've, you've seemed to think she's a great author or a very good author at yeah, least. Yeah, I so, think she's very good. And her, her screenplay informing his uh, vision of the film. I don't know. Yeah. I agree. I would like to think that is the case, and I would think it probably is the case. Mm-hmm. But it was just something I noticed a lot more this time that I wanted to talk about because, holy shit, I was like, you people are the worst. You deserve each other. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not untrue. That's not untrue of the whole story in general is that yeah. they do deserve each other, and that's kind of part of the point. Final thing for Lost in Adaptation, and this one I think is the most complicated, and I, it's funny, I started writing this earlier in the film, and then as it went on and more things played out, I remembered more of why this mm-hmm. is the case, but general question, was she always just kind of quote unquote crazy? Uh, and now I, as it went on, I, 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 I also realized and remembered, well, yes, obviously the, um, yeah, the, they lose their jobs. They were, you know, they're having money problems. They move across the country, and then Nick's mm-hmm. mom dies, who she was close to. She says, uh, and all that stuff. And then also, we they allude to the idea that she has this complex from her parents, who always pretended her life was so right. perfect. Um, you know, there that amazing Amy's life was perfect, despite whatever was going on in her life, and sort of this really weird issue she had with dealing with that her whole life growing up. At least that's kind of what I the vibe I got from the movie was that. Sort of that um, inferiority, comp- you know, the amazing Amy is the perfect version of her and, right. and she can never live up to that. And so it's like this weird, it's kind of caused a. Yeah, um, and that it is present in the book. Yeah. It's kind of plays out very similarly yeah. um, where we find out like bit by bit that right. she's always been a little bit of a head case. Right. And I guess the thing is that she seems so normal. And I, I guess I know that that's also the point is that. She seems so normal. Oh, you mean in her diary entries? Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> this is true. Do you see what I mean about yeah. the unreliable yeah. narrators? In that this? is true, because all of the flashback moments are from the perspective of her diary. Mm-hmm. Which she has fabricated purposefully to yes, fool people. Yes, to fool people. And, yeah. Fair, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. So, because she, by the end of the film, I mean, not by the end, by the... <laughs> By the moment, by the important part of the film where where she uh, decides to leave and fake her own death and then actually kill herself, um, fake her murder and then kill herself. She's like straight up, like off the deep end. I mean, that's not I don't want to I don't think it's hard to or I don't think it's a stretch to say that that's like next level, like some sort of something yeah. <laughs> like you're pl- framing your husband for your murder and then. <laughs> Uh, killing yourself. Yeah. It's, uh, I don't know. So I, I guess I get it. It was funny because this is on, like I said, I wrote it down at the beginning, sort of like er- fairly early. And then the more longer the movie went on, the more I was like, okay, I, I guess I do get it. I guess I do get that what has happened. And then also your caveat of, yeah, she seemed normal in her diary entries that she was writing yeah. to incriminate Nick. So <laughs> fair point, I guess. I don't know. Did you have anything to add on? I mean, on that train or on that. I think that the amazing Amy thing would fuck up any kid. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. And they don't, they, it's definitely in the movie, but I, yeah. I, and honestly, I don't think it's talked about enough in the book either. Really? Like, 
That's fucked up. Yeah. And I mean, they say literally that line about it in the movie, I think, yeah. where I think Nick or somebody says, you know, that's fucked, uh, fucked up childhood or something. I don't know. It's something. Somebody has a line to that illusion about that. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's like one scene fairly early and it's it can be easy with how much other nonsense goes on in the movie. It can be easy to kind of forget yeah. about that being yeah. like such an, inf- uh, 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 about that being something that informs who she is so much. And kind of the person she grew up to be and sort of the... Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was all I got for Lost in Adaptation. So I think we're going to move on. Better in the book. You like to read? Oh, yes. I love to read. What do you like to read? Everything. Okay, so... I wrote down a lot of little things that I now don't really think are worth talking about. Okay. Um, so I want to talk about two, like, big all-encompassing things. Okay. Um, one is that a lot of stuff got cut. Yeah. And I understand that. Yeah. Um, but it was stuff that I liked. Okay. Um, the, uh, a lot of, like, detail got cut from her diary entries where there was, like, backstory about different things. There's a part where Nick goes to Hannibal. Hmm. Because um, one of her clues leads him to Hannibal. Okay. Um, so I kind of missed that. Does anything interesting happen there? Or is it just like... Not really, but I kind of was looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because like, the way it's described is kind of atmospheric. And like, they yeah. talk about um, how it, like the run-down tourist town that yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, as opposed to North Cartridge... A.K.A. Cape Girardeau. Carthage, yeah. Yeah. You said Wh- cartridge. Car- did I? Yeah. Whoops. Yeah, North Carthage. Yeah. Um, A.K.A. Cape which Girardeau. is run down, but isn't, like, touristy. And no. I was kind of looking forward to, like, the gimmicky. Yeah. Like, they say at one point that um, there's, like, a Mark Twain impersonator um, mm-hmm. out at a restaurant or something, just, like, stuffing his face or something yeah. like that. Um, well, th- my guess is the reason that they would cut that part out one is if nothing particularly interesting right. happens which yeah. you said it didn't but two also now i guess they could fake it in some way but there's not really so so hannibal is like f- four hours north right. of here like it's a it's a trek it's yeah. not a you know it's not a 30 or 40 minute drive um and in order to get that if you want that sort of like because i feel like hannibal would be tougher to do with it being the home of mark twain you'd have to fake a lot of stuff in terms of like to portray that feel of the city of the sort of kitschy yeah. tourist town yeah. you kind of have to, i don't think there's anywhere really around here that would play True. that way maybe maybe yeah. somewhere in like southern illinois but uh you can go like metropolis but then it's all super <laughs> <laughs> um that would have been funny too yeah man. yeah you could have done the exact same scene in metropolis that would have been fun that's like an hour from here i think yeah anyways uh so yeah i can see that's no that that can. makes a lot of sense i think um I'm pretty sure North Carthage is supposed to be in between Hannibal and St. Louis, the way they talked about him yeah. going back and forth. Makes sense. Which, actually, where Cape Girardeau is, St. Louis is halfway in between here Cape, and Hannibal. Hannibal and Cape So, it's a bit more of a distance. Yeah. What other stuff did they cut out? Um, there was the scene where they go to the old abandoned mall. Yeah. Which I'm sad that I didn't recognize the old abandoned mall because there are old abandoned malls in St. Louis. Or there were at yeah. the time. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I didn't recognize it. Either. I didn't recognize it either. But uh, in the book, Nick goes there with some of his old high school buddies and Amy's dad for some reason. Weird. And it's kind of like a weird scene. Like they go to like shake down the homeless guys to ask him about Amy. Huh. And it, I, I just thought that was more interesting than the police go to the mall. You know, I wouldn't be surprised because this could work both ways, but it was something I noticed. I wouldn't be surprised if that scene was filmed and they cut it. Yeah. Because there's a moment later in the film where the 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 male detective partner, or whatever, I don't know if mm-hmm. he's a detective, but the, her partner mm-hmm. uh, says something towards the end of the at some point and goes, he 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 basically ribs Nick by saying maybe something or maybe something to do with all these homeless people you keep talking about or like he's ribbing him saying like you keep talking about these homeless people but we know it's you basically yeah. like why why are you so obsessed with all these homeless people or whatever and and at that point in the movie Nick has only ever mentioned it the one time when he first That's gets true. pulled into the yeah. police station he goes yeah. he goes I don't know we have some homeless people around maybe look into that. Yeah. Now, it could work both ways. Maybe there was an extra scene and somehow, you know, they were there and then it came up again with the cops and all that stuff was cut out. Mm-hmm. Which I wouldn't be surprised because, like we said, Fincher and Notorious Overshooter, maybe they had a 400 <laughs> minute or, you know, a four hour long shooting script basically and cut a lot of it out. But it also works in the sense that from the sort of uh, put upon Nick narrative of where he mentioned this thing one time offhandedly and the cops like, yeah, maybe these homeless people, you know, like. Makes yeah. a big deal out of it. I don't know. Anyways. And the other big thing that got cut from the book was, uh, so we got the story with Amy's old boyfriend that she framed for date rape. Yes. Tommy, maybe? Tommy something. Tommy something yeah. That's played by uh, Scoot McNary. <laughs> is this name? That's is his, this na- his name? I don't know if that's his oh, legal you name. Said, you said, oh, that's Scoot. I thought you were referring to, like, another character no, that No, no, that's the actor's name, Scoot McNary. <laughs> he's in he's in all kinds of random nonsense. He's on Doug Benson's uh, podcast, Fair mm-hmm. But he was, uh, the one th- other thing people might recognize him most from, it was if they saw Batman or Superman, Dawn of Justice. He's the guy in the wheelchair oh. that blows himself up to, mm-hmm. and kills, like, everybody in the courtroom or whatever. Yeah, that's Scoot McNary. But if you look at his IMDb, he's like he's just like one of those actors that shows up in like all kinds of huge movies, yeah. but that's like way down like the you know way down the building the and place. shows up for five minutes or whatever. <laughs> Scoot. Um. So we got that backstory, but there was another example of her doing that with a friend of hers in high school, hmm. whose name was Hillary. Um, and basically what she did was, like, she tricked Hillary into doing all of this stuff so that it looked like she was stalking her. Oh, okay. And then, like, turned her into the school and got her expelled and all this stuff. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. And actually, now that I mention it, and this to touch on, because I was like, well, that shows that she's always been sort of batshit if that yeah. happened in high school. But to my point, even when I was thinking earlier, because when she first meets Nick or to your point that what we're getting is her version of that and how she seems kind of normal and whatever. And the cool girl or blah, blah, blah. Um, but we, we know that's not the case later because of the whole story with Tommy. Right. And even Desi to some extent. Yeah. His, their previous falling out and that sort of thing. Um, the other all encompassing issue that I wanted to touch on, um, was the, it really did move at a breakneck speed. 
Yeah. Like, it, it really did. And I, I just preferred the slow burn yeah. of the book. That's funny, because it feels like a slow burn movie to me. It is long. I guess that's why, because it's... I mean, you hit the hour mark is when you find out for sure. Like, if you have no nothing, you find out Amy's alive. Oh, yeah, you don't find out that Amy's alive until halfway through the book. Yeah, and that's a little under halfway through the movie, but roughly. it's Mm -hmm. Like I said, it's just over the hour mark when we first see her driving down the highway. Yeah, yeah. And that's when we find out that she's not actually dead. But I don't, I was just, it was in little things. Like, um, like... Police cast suspicious on him a lot quicker. Um, like all the the press hullabaloo happened yeah. a lot faster. Right. Um, it, it just it felt very sped up. Yeah, in ways that I didn't really care for. Okay, well to me because it, it it's funny you say. That. I mean I would say funny you say that, but because it did, it did one felt felt slow burn. The movie felt like a slow burn to me. Or at least I remember the first time I watched it for sure. And, and and a lot of that is helped along by the soundtrack. The soundtrack's very good. Uh, it's Trent Reznor. It's really good atmospheric, off-putting, slow burny kind of like rising mm-hmm. tension sort of. Yeah, yeah. Like atmospheric, ambient, ambient uh, noise and music. Um, so I thought that th- that helped do a good job of sort of selling the slow burn of it. But I'm wondering what how they could have gone any slower burned because it's already like we said. It, two hour and 40 yeah, minute movie i know and i can't see anything from the last hour and a half that they could really have like gotten rid of because mm-hmm. there's a lot of figuring out what's going on in the you know desi storyline and the blah 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 all that stuff i don't know mm-hmm. so i'm just not sure if there's a way they could short of making a three and a half hour long movie that they could have or a three hour you know literally a three hour long movie that yeah. they could have had it or and without it feeling boring in the beginning, I don't That's know. True, I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I I liked the pacing of the book better. We'll say okay, fair enough. And I think that is easier to accomplish in a book. In a book, yeah. All right, time for better in the movie. Yes, better in the movie. My life has taught me one lesson, Hugo, and not the one I thought it would. Happy endings only happen in the movies. Okay, I have, like, a, a list of, like, little things. Okay. Again, because this was very well adapted. And aside from, like, cutting some stuff, there aren't a lot of huge changes. Yeah. So most of the things that they changed for the movie that I liked are, like, little tiny details. Right. Um, like, when they're in... The crime scene investigating the house, and they see the little drop of blood in the kitchen. That's not in the book. Oh, okay. Um, and I thought that was like an interesting, ominous yeah. little detail. <laughs> when when Nick suggests in the diary entry, so who knows if it's real? <laughs> um, he's like, "We should go to Outback tonight." Yeah, I was like, "That's a nice fucking touch." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good. Uh... Yeah, who knows if it's real. Yeah. But that is a good... And the thing that was... To me, that feels not real. Again, that's one of those moments because Nick, I mean, while from Missouri, grew up in... Or he's been in New York for a long time. He's a culture... A fairly cultured dude. He doesn't strike me as the kind of guy necessarily. At least in the movie. Maybe there's more... Like, you know, we don't get to know him a ton in the movie. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, we get some of the 
the discussion of him playing again. It's in the diary entry, so who knows? Just like sitting on the couch playing video games and drinking beer all day. But like, I don't know. Like he's a teacher, he's a college teacher, and like he just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who's like, yeah, let's go to Outback Steakhouse <laughs> for dinner. I don't know. But it is a good moment it's, for yeah, uh, it's sympathy a, a for her. A good moment of. for what she's doing with his fake character development. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So the diary. They don't find the diary until a little bit later in the book, but I really liked the way that it was filmed and that way the way that it played out with like the simultaneous shots yeah, of the woodshed uh, and the diary. Yeah, the action back and forth. Yeah. Between Nick finding the... Isn't that one? I think that's one of their, the two things that are the actions that are juxta, juxtaposed is that Nick figuring out what's going on yeah. opens up the woodshed, finds yeah. all the presents and the final gift or that other the mm-hmm. punching Judy dolls. And, and then, then the detectives, detectives finding the finding diary. Them, yeah. 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 It's a really well executed sequence. And that's like the big final, not final, but big where it finally boils over mm-hmm. and to like both of them really figuring out what's going on at the same time, kind of. Well. Them, the detective is figuring out <laughs> what's not going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Nick figuring out what's going on. But both of them thinking they've broken the case wide open. So, anyways, yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, it was really well done. When Amy is faking being held hostage at Desi's, um, which she does, but there's not as much detail about like what she does there in the book. Um, and I liked the where she like spills wine on herself and then mm-hmm. goes and screams at the security camera. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting addition. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, and I mentioned this several times as we were watching the movie, the cat. Oh. <laughs> so yeah. in the book, they have the cat and... Throughout the whole thing, while she's missing and Nick is under suspicion, they only mention that the cat has been fed once. (laughs) And I was very worried about the cat (laughs) for the whole 415 pages. Well, there you go. I was very worried. But in the movie, they feed the cat more than once. They do. They, like, pick him up and and rub at him. Yeah. He's he's, he's taken care of the cat. It's a great, it's a great one. They were thinking of the cat lovers when they <laughs> wrote the screenplay. I was very worried about the cat. And then we sat down to watch the movie and I was like, now I'm going to have to worry about the cat for another two and a half hours. <laughs> but I didn't. And it was a pleasant surprise. <laughs> they did the cat better in the movie. <laughs> brilliant they, stuff. Um, they improved upon the role of bleaker or whatever his name is. I don't even remember this. I mean, I, I know they say it I once, think it's but... bleaker. I think it is. Cool. All right. Is that it for Better in the Movie? That's it for Better in the Movie. All right. Well, we're going to get into some general discussion, including the one-time segment. It's not really a segment, but it, <laughs> is it misogynist or is it not? But we'll get into that in sort of a general discussion because, boy, do I got some notes. Oh, I should have put this in. We're going to do it here because I don't want to have to go around and move it. This could have been in Lost in Adaptation. Oh, okay. Or was that in the book? But I 
I figured it was neither. But so when she gets to the Ozarks, when Amy gets to the Ozarks, uh-huh. in the first scene when she's checking into her like cabin or whatever, mm-hmm. she opens the fridge. There's two things in the fridge. It's like I don't even know. It's like pickles and a and a and a carton of coffee creamer. Mm-hmm. And she grabs a carton of coffee creamer and throws it away. Mm-hmm. And then she goes outside, and literally five minutes later, Greta right is the. Or whatever her name is, the Ozarks. Yeah. When they meet, she goes, she's they're talking, and she says, "By the way, do you happen to have any creamer?" <laughs> it's <laughs> so weird and random. It is weird. And I was like, it's "Not in the book." Okay. Because <laughs> I was like, "Is there some meaning to this that I'm like not like what? That's so strange." Because yeah, she I unless I'm misremembered, but like I swear she goes into the the the, the fridge. There's like two things in it, and she throws and it's creamer, and she throws it away. I mean, it's probably expired. Who knows? Yeah. I put it. And then, like, literally, just randomly, Greta's like, do you have any coffee creamer? Like, in, in, in the middle of their conversation. And I was like... I don't know what that's about. Okay. Cannot offer any clarification on that one. All right. Well, let's get into it. Okay. I'm excited. So, I want to first, I want to start with some of the other general discussion that I that I was going to talk about. Not general discussion, but... Some of the stuff I had in the prequel episode that I pulled and saved for this mm-hmm. and kind of her talking about it and that sort of thing. And then I want to get into sort of, I don't want to say my rebuttal, but just sort of where I'm coming from and some of the things I picked up from watching it again and why I still kind of have problems with elements of it. Um, see whether or not you agree. Mm-hmm. So, again, we talked about this, but she said she wanted to uh, She explained that she wanted the novel to portray the idea that women are not, na- you know, or to counter the idea that women are naturally good. And to show that women can be just as violently minded as men can. Fair enough. You know, I, I have no problem with that as a as a an idea. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, t- totally cool. One of the things that I think, and this is so somebody, a critic brought up, and it's an interesting point, not something I really thought about. Kind of shows my privilege in the situation, but um, Natalie Wilson, I don't know who that is, critic I found, uh, argues that by not addressing Amy's social privilege, uh, which is what affords her uh, the funds, the skills, the ability to do what she does, mm-hmm. sort of her um, affluence right. allows her to do that. Because that's an important distinction is that it's not just that any woman could do this. It's specifically that some an affluent uh, white woman, woman, white woman with the with the means to do what she did could do. Yeah, or at least is with the ease with which she does it. Could, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I guess you could. Other people could do it. It'd just be a lot harder. But what it does is that it crystallizes a thousand. This is quoting: "Gone Girl" is the crystallization of a thousand misogynist myths and fears about female behavior, mm-hmm. which is probably the thing that made me most uncomfortable about it, and the thing that I thought was most <sighs> problematic. So my my point was that, or my my thing when I watched it, my problem isn't with the idea that women are evil. Or that a woman could be evil or that we can have a, a, a – obviously, that's ridiculous. You can have all kinds of female villains. It's – yeah, I have no problem with that. My problem and, – and it was kind of what they say. It's the crystallization of all these just sort of like myths about mm-hmm. um, that sort of thing. But it's that – it's that the evil she does in this are explicitly in relation to her femininity or mm-hmm. into the – I don't know how to describe it necessarily – is that it's it not only is exclusively tied into that, but it it ties into all this like very prominent anti-feminist like rhetoric 
mm-hmm. that kind of uh, poisons the discourse in terms of like and 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 what the things that it ties into all these misogynist fears about women mm-hmm. and they're they're manipulative and conniving and they're and you know and 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 the the rape myths of, you know because it recycles sort of a lot of like rape myths about I don't say a lot but some uh you know where she fakes being raped uh-huh and that's again it's not that you can't have characters do that I don't think mm-hmm. I think you can do it. It's just the culmination of things throughout the film as it went, little things kept adding up and checking boxes for me that just felt grosser and grosser. And like, it was pushing this weird narrative that was sort of dismissing or not even dismissing, but just reinforcing uh, a lot of like myths about rape and 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 sort of reinforcing the that whole idea that that sort of poisonous MRA idea that all women are super manipulative mm-hmm. and I don't know it's hard to describe I it's yeah so okay I do have some thoughts on this one is that a lot of what I think you might be referring to maybe um in the movie in the book is Nick's inner dialogue. So it's kind of like a a lot of the icky ideas are coming exclusively from him almost. Um, Like there were, I can't think of any specific examples now, but there are a couple things where he says stuff out loud that in the book is his thoughts. Yeah. Um, So I think that could be factored in as a change from book to movie. Here's some of the things that, and I think to to what you're talking about um, with Nick and, and and to me, I guess part of the problem is that, and and I'll, maybe I'm wrong and you can correct me if I'm wrong because I, I can see it both ways to me. I don't think we're supposed to like Nick entirely, but I definitely feel like the audience is supposed to mostly identify with Nick in the film. Yeah. I feel like we're supposed to be kind of on his side. Yes. And I think that's where my problems come in. Is that, and now I guess I ultimately don't, I I, I guess I end up more on his side than her side. Obviously, because, you know, at least he's not planning on fucking (laughs) reframing somebody for murder. But it's, It's interesting, I think, because... I do agree with you that we're supposed to sympathize with Nick more in the movie. And I think that they may have done that because it's a movie. Yeah. And because you need a character to sympathize with. But when you read the book, that's not really the case. I I think I knew that. You don't really sympathize with either of them. Yeah. And while, yes, Amy's, what she does is when you look all at all, all at all of it in black and white is worse. Yeah. Like it's worse to right. frame somebody for murder or right. rape than it is to cheat and on slash, your wife. And I slash guess. kill somebody also. She um, murders somebody. Right. She does murder Desi. <laughs> rip Desi. Um, Not rip. That dude was an asshole. He was kind of an ass. Um, but it, it just feels more complicated in the, and then that yeah. when you have more of Amy's perspective, yeah, um, and you do feel sorry for her. And I felt that in the movie. I don't want to completely write this off. I don't want it to come across like I feel that that's how I feel. Because I definitely, 
get that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I, part of me wonders how much that's me or a person like me versus your general audience goer would get sure, that. Yeah. I, 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 the, I guess maybe part of that is that for me, I actually don't. I actually don't uh, sympathize with Nick a ton. I mean, I do the extent that he's not like the worst person in the world, but like, I don't actually sympathize with him a ton because yeah, he's cheating on his wife and he's like super, at least from what the, the version we get from Amy's diary, he's incredibly like inattentive and just like, mm-hmm. uh, and my, to my other point, he, 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 he drops a lot of shitty MRA talking points yeah, throughout yeah, the movie. He does. And my problem is that when he's, when I'm worried that he's the sympathetic character to 90% of audiences without them really thinking about it. Right. And then he's sitting here dropping these sort of like generic, like, I mean, I, I wrote some of it down. Some of the stuff that really was like, felt really gross. Um, well, at the one point where Tyler Perry, the, the lawyer, Tyler Perry's character Says, yeah, play up the doofus husband stick. Husband stick. I'm a fuck up. I'm an, I'm an idiot. That sort of mm-hmm. thing. And 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 Ben Affleck responds by saying, yeah, like men are supposed to do in general. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like, oh yeah, it's real tough being a man in America. Like this sort yeah. of like victim narrative of him. Like, yeah, I don't know. And like I said, like that stuff is mostly his inner thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it comes off as I don't want to say grosser yeah but he does come off as like grosser in general well yeah your description of of him of him describing andy, andy yeah and, like it's so if there's more things like that and because we don't ever get two, that that's description is the first time he sees her when she's yeah. his student yeah like that's gross yeah so like the thing i guess that's the idea is that he's definitely yeah i guess my problem and then maybe this is what it boils down to is I think maybe what she wrote is is a much more nuanced and interesting look at this mm-hmm. um, where he's not supposed to be super sympathetic. You're yeah. supposed to kind of understand why Amy does what she does to an extent, yeah. to some extent at least. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it is kind of that thing where like, you know, you're reading it and you're like, well, girl, this is extreme, but I kind of get you. Right, right. I, and so my my problem, and I say problem, it's not my fucking problem to have, but my worry, I guess, is that maybe mo and maybe I'm being, I don't know, maybe, people can tell me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm being, uh, maybe I'm not giving audiences enough credit mm-hmm. slash I'm like overplaying, overplaying it. I don't know, but like to me, I, my worry is that when the movie, I feel like in general to people, Nick would come across sympathetic. Right. And she would just come across as this evil villain. And it and I, I worry it, would, it all it does is reinforce this sort of one rape myths and, and sort of that that's that idea that women are yeah. manipulative and, 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 and yeah, oh, yeah, you know, in a culture of today, the last thing we need is a movie reinforcing the idea that that women faking rapes is like a thing that happens with any sort of regularity. Yeah. Not that it not that it implies that in the movie. I mean, we see it happen one time. Well, no. Twice, actually, because yeah. Tommy, she's at least two or three times or at least twice uh, implies, yeah, that and that being assaulted, that she's lying about that. And like, mm-hmm. to me, it almost just feels irresponsible. Now, I don't want to say it is irresponsible because 
I still think you can tell those stories, and 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 I, I think if you do it right, well enough, which I even don't even want to say the movie doesn't do it well enough, because I think me and you both understand watching the movie that it's not as simple as that Nick is right and that Amy's evil and that yeah um, and that we're supposed to be cool with everything Nick does and sort of chuckle at his like boneheaded boneheaded like uh, misogyny. Like I don't think we're supposed to be like super into that, but I worry that people will be. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. No, I agree with you. I I see where you're coming from, definitely. Um, and I I do think the book has a more nuanced view of it. Um, not that Amy is one dimensional in the movie. I don't think she. No, is, yeah, I don't think she is. But she's definitely more fleshed out in the book. Yeah. Even though. You know, we don't really know what's real and what's fake from the diary entries. When we're in her perspective for the second half of it, it's it's just like like I said, it's an extreme reaction to yeah. the max. But I understand why she's angry. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. I I agree. Like I said, I I don't know. I just yeah. Like I said, it's it, it was it's. It's, it's it's interesting. It's difficult. It's complex, and it's it's nuanced. And I just because it is, and because the easy surface veil, surface level reading of it mm-hmm. can be reinforcing to a lot of really toxic views. Yeah. I I I. That's all I worry. I, I say that's all I worry I mean, about. I don't know. We that's had just, almost the same conversation about Fight Club. That's true. A, a surface reading of it reinforces toxic yeah. ideas. Yeah, that's true. I guess I'd be really interested to, that, to sit down. I'm not me. I'm not a good enough discuss. <laughs> uh, <laughs> not smart enough or uh, well spoken enough to have these kind of conversations with David Fincher. But I'd be really interested to have somebody who was good at that kind of stuff to sit down with him and sort of actually like pick his brain and mm-hmm. see what his angle is. Yeah. Or yeah, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah. angle, but like where he kind of comes down on some of that stuff. To touch on that a little bit more, I said to put a pin in the fact that um, in the prequel episode that one of the reasons they cast – that Fincher cast uh, Rosamund Pike mm-hmm. was because of her ambiguous age. Right. Part of the reason that felt gross to me when I heard that was because to me it just ties in more to the sort of idea that this could be any woman. Any woman could do this. Okay. It sort of ties into um. that. Because it because to the audience when 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 he said I want somebody whose age is ambiguous she'd be twenty five she could be forty five all of a sudden you hit this wide swath of women so that anybody any dude who watches them and I'm not saying this is his meaning because right. I can also see the other side of it for the pure um, well it makes sense for practicality yeah because we have to see them through a range of years right for practical reasons it makes sense also just on a pure like horror movie level. Mm-hmm. In terms of, like, scaring the audience, if that's, you know, instilling that sort of, like, yeah, this could be anybody. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know if my, like, just from the pure, like, filmmaking, like, you want to make sure your audience feels the same sort of thing. I get it there, but there's also this element of it to me that feels like, I want to make sure I get an actress that, the fact that he said that. Makes me feel like he go. He went. I want to make sure I get an actress that is um, sort of generic enough, or like you know, ambiguous enough that she could be any woman. 
and that sort of ties into the to me the sort of weird reinforcing of uh bitches be crazy yes bitches be crazy i don't know i'm not saying i don't know it's just feelings i had yeah i mean I, i will say while there aren't any well portrayed women in this movie Really? Goes fairly. She, yeah, she's fine. I mean, I mean she does. I do really, have a problem with how much she calls Amy a bitch all the time. But there aren't really well portrayed men either. No, that no. Get into. No, um, that's true. I, I think. Just like, yeah. I think that her conniving nature is kind of countered by other women in the narrative who are clearly not conniving. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, no, I, I, I get. I again, I'm not. Not hard press. I don't know. I yeah. No, I I agree. I agree that it's not. No, yeah. and I don't disagree with you at all. I think it a surface level reading of it is troubling. Yeah. Um, I'm just offering a counterpoint. Yeah, and I, and I, and it's a counterpoint that, like I said, I've considered and I've and I and I don't even disagree with. I'm not. I I, I think it's this interesting thing to discuss, and I and I still don't know exactly where I land. Uh, what I want to know and want to not. I don't know if I'll let him know. If the, maybe there's a way to tell the same story, but avoid some of the the elements that are reinforced, some of the like weird toxic ideas about rape myths and and mm-hmm. and um, women lying about uh, being assaulted and sexually uh, assaulted, and I don't know if there's a way to do that. And tell the same story without reinforcing those weird myths and sort of fears of... Yeah, I, I don't know if there is, because it, at its core, it is about the roles that we all play. Yeah, I know. I agree, yeah. And like I said, maybe I'm being dis... Uh, what is the word? Disingenuous? What, no, uh, not generous. Is this just not generous? Maybe I'm not being generous to audiences. <laughs> um, maybe that... Uh, yeah. yeah. Like, in that... Maybe I'm thinking that people will just take it way more people. Maybe I'm assuming way more people will take it at a surface level without really thinking about it than actually will. But mm-hmm. then again, I exist on the internet. So I yeah. know that I'm probably underestimating <laughs> the number of people who will take it as a reinforcement of all those fucking terrible views they have. I don't know. Yeah. All right. I don't think there's an easy answer. No, I don't think so either. And that's cool. That's a good thing. I mean, I say cool. It's a no. Yeah, our art and our yeah. media should challenge us. Yes, from a yeah, from that perspective, it it, it succeeds in the same way that uh, in a similar way that Fight Club did. Yeah, uh, in, in that regard. Which I, yeah. And I mean, if you're interested in exploring that more, I know I keep adding to your reading list. <laughs> yeah. And I know you know the way it ends, but that's true. I'm just saying. Oh, and the last thing I had, just the only other note that I had, we hadn't touched on, is that in, um, although it makes perfect sense after reading your description, Nick's description of Andy, I thought it was kind of super gross and telling of them to cast, not only to cast Emily Ratta, whatever her name is, as Andy, mm-hmm. but they did it on the basis of that Blurred Lines music video that she's in, where she's just mm-hmm. naked the whole video. Yeah. But... <laughs> And like it was like it felt like a super objectifying way to cast somebody, mm-hmm. but then again, for that role, it actually works because it's gross, probably. Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it actually the the, the fact that it's gross is actually yeah that makes, sense. makes Nick uh, what the fuck his name is Dunn? the guy 
Oh, wait, what? No, the guy. Who the fuck sang Blurred Lines? Oh, Robin Thicke. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I've blocked that song. Right, from anyways, but I, from what I, it sounded like, it was like Ben Affleck and Fincher. Yeah, they yeah. Uh, picked her because of that. And yeah, no, it, I mean, you know, I actually, I guess it, it actually makes sense. And I mean, she's yeah, fine in the role. She does a good job. Meta. She's barely in it, but she, she does a fine job sort of playing the ditzy college girl. Yeah, she's kind of an innocent. Yeah. Which, no, she's a moron. Yeah. She's like, let's even set aside starting an affair with a married man. His wife is missing under suspicious. Why are you going to his house in the middle of the night? Idiot. (laughs) She's an idiot. She's an idiot. Yeah. Again, a woman who could never be conniving. No, it's true. Way too dumb. (laughs) Way too dumb. All right. Let's get to it then. It's time for the final verdict. Now, uh, are you ready for your sentence? Sentence? But there must be a verdict first. Sentence first. Verdict afterwards. Katie, Gone Girl, is the book or the film better? Um, I'm going to give it to the book. I knew it. I think that... While you can, while there's a lot of interesting analysis to be said about the film, especially like past that surface level, like we talked about, I think the book is a more nuanced um, and in-depth and developed version of the story. Yeah. All right. Cool. Gone Girl, book wins. I had a feeling (laughs) that was going to be the case when you said it was the favorite book you've read this year. I was like, even because like at that point, it's like, even if the movies, you just prefer books in general. So, like, <laughs> even if the movie was like really good, which it was, it was, yeah, no, it really you'd was. Still, go with the books. So. It was, it was a good adaptation. Yeah. Well, all right then. That's gonna do it for our discussion of Gone Girl. Katie, what's next on the docket? We're gonna do the curious case of Benjamin Button. Mm, Oscar Whitner. Definitely nominated for a bunch. Yeah, I don't know if it won Best Picture, nominated. but it was nominated for Best Picture. Um, based on a short story by um, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Oh, really? Who you might know as the author of The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. I've never seen this one um, or read it, so I'm excited. I haven't either. Well, and I, I'm also excited. Yeah, because it, it looked like an interesting movie. I'll be honest. I thought it looked like a boring movie. <laughs> Um, so we'll see. <laughs> I, I don't know. Something about we'll it. We'll see just, how it goes. Yeah. I, something about it. I remember when it came out, I was thinking yeah, that, that looks it's like It's kind a, of a weird premise. So. It just looks boring. I'm sure it's great. Like, I kind of, I think I would have thought the same thing about Forrest Gump. Yeah. Like, that looks boring. Forrest Gump's a great movie and really fun. So, you know, who knows? But, yeah. All right. We'll see. So we'll look forward to that. We'll have our fun facts in the next prequel episode. A prequel episode. And a review of Black Panther. So we're going to see that Friday. Until then, check us out on Facebook, facebook.com slash thisfilmislit, or actually just search, that might be correct, but also just search This Film Is Lit <laughs> on Facebook. Twitter is at thisfilmislit, and our subreddit is reddit.com slash r slash thisfilmislit. And we are This Film Is Lit on Goodreads And Goodreads, as well. yes. If you want to know what we potentially have coming up in the future or to suggest a book on the subreddit, there is a thread that is the has the movie list so far, or at least as it was a week or two ago. Yeah. There might be a couple more added on since then, but mostly the list that we have. And when I say list, there's not any order applied to that yet. It is just 
Yeah, the bulk <laughs> list of all of the things. We... It's my dumping ground for yeah. every time I hear of something that's based on a book. Yeah. So you can check that out. And then in the comment section for that, uh, if you have other suggestions, feel free to throw them on there. It's probably already on there, but if it's not, <laughs> throw it at it. Until next time, keep reading books, keep watching movies. And do both for Gone Girl. Because it's pretty good stuff. It's really good stuff. It's really good stuff. And you can argue with me about whether or not it's sexist. <laughs> Come at me. <laughs> I don't know. So please help me figure it out. <laughs>